a few things. One is we uh, continue to have a Wednesday evening online Bible study. It's via Zoom. You can call in and just listen in if you like, or you can uh, watch the video. What I do is on your screen, which can be your phone or your computer, is some of the verses, and then we'll have some questions. And it's just a little bit of a deeper dive into some subjects, even more so than our Sunday morning, which is a, more of a discussion. So I want to encourage you, if you're, if you're interested in that, to, to participate. And if you didn't get an in email from me with the information, let me know. I'd be happy to send it again. Um, and there's 10 of us that are on there fairly regularly. And, and, um, and it's not everybody just from our congregation, which is kind of neat and fun, too. Uh, so I want to invite you to do that. A, a couple other things. Another reminder is these cards, and they're all over the building, including the back. It's a little bit of, you know, just the... The guts of the church information, it's when our worship service is, when the Bible study is, and, and how to find some of the information. So if if you're not confident in inviting someone to church, and but you really like to, this is something that's really easy to leave uh, with them. And you might even have it in your own pocket, because sometimes you need to know the address of the church, and, and it's on there as well. Um, so feel free to grab those and, and share them as you will. And one more thing, I bought a bunch of these postcards, and they say, we're saving your seat. And I kind of thought it would be interesting for people who haven't been here in a while and I was going to send a little note, but I don't like to be the guy that says, missed you at church Sunday, you know. I, we don't guilt or shame people for not being at church, but if there's someone that you haven't seen in a while, I'm going to put these in the back and just, you can send it to them or if you don't know their address all that, just write whatever note you want on there. I will stamp it. I'll make sure it gets in the mail. So I want to do that too. And it can be, you know, as, as fun as you want, because the truth is we all have our favorite seats. I can, you know, I can tell who's missing by who's not in the spot. So, but there's, you know, there's people, and, and if, if you just want to use this invitation, we're saving a seat. And, and the message is, you don't have to come to Golden Beach Community Church, but find a church home, okay, where you're comfortable. And that is one of the joys of living in a free country. You don't like this church because of something? There's another one down the street. Find a church that is biblically based, that has a good message, and you can engage with, because it doesn't do anybody good to sit here for an hour and not get anything from it, okay? So encourage people, and I'm glad, I'm glad you're here. I'm hoping you're getting something from it. But I wanted to remind you of a couple of those things. So we will continue to, to do the best we can with the social distancing. We will continue to wipe down the, the church very, you know, very clean. We'll do in the individual communion cups for a while and put the offering plates in the back. We're going to do what we can to make this a good and safe and healthy place. And if we ever get to the point where we can't socially distance, we'll, we'll talk about it. We will not turn anybody away because we're six feet apart. We'll put in additional chairs or we'll have a second service. Wouldn't that be different? We'll figure out something. Okay, so don't... Don't, you know, feel hindered to invite someone to bring a guest or anything. It's, it's awesome. And I think some of the most fun we've had is, has been, you know, the, the hot dog roast and stuff where we get to talk to, to more people. And, and I think we uh, have some real opportunities to do some outreach. That being said, this message I called, It is for Freedom. And that's the, the start of a of scripture that Paul wrote. But we have included several patriotic elements in this morning's worship service. And perhaps the question is, could be raised about the appropriateness of combining our worship of God and our celebration of the nation in which we live. And to that, I'd like to offer just a, a couple points of explanation. First, our respect for the flag and our celebration of the date in which the nation was established is not and should never be taken to the point of idolatry. Right? 
There is one God, and he is worthy of our unadulterated praise and worship. We honor the flag. We respect the flag. We love Christ. Even the cross, it is a symbol, okay? It is a reminder, and we love it, and we wear it, and we cherish it. But we love Jesus, and that's the reminder of that. And second, whether you're happy with our political system, its leaders and its policies, or you're not, you have a right, and you have a right to the extent that they don't infringe or impede anybody else's right to express your feelings. We're lucky that we can do that. We have taken time over the, the course of several weeks to study God's word and to seek direction on how to respond as a Christian to the current state of the world and its current crises. And it's been said, it's a country so great that even the people that hate it don't leave it, right? Third, the men and women that came to this land and established colonies which would become the states did so because they were seeking freedom. Among those was religious freedom. On 4th of July of every year, we celebrate their efforts, their sacrifices, and success in establishing this country. And we want to honor that. So can you honor both God and country? Yes, in that order. And country should never be separated from God. The Founding Fathers knew this and wrote it into the Declaration of Independence. I'm going to quote a little, little American history for you this morning. It's from the Declaration. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the cause which impel them to the separation. Now, who are they referring to when they say the laws of nature? It's God. Man doesn't create nature. And nature is God, that is God himself. A third reference to God is, is the word creator, and it's found in the second paragraph. He says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and they are endowed by their creator, our God, with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And this boldly identifies the basis for at least three unalienable rights is, is God. The Founding Fathers identify this truth as self-evident. They mean it is so obvious that anybody with common sense or reason will come to the same conclusion, that God our Creator wants you to have life and liberty and pursue happiness. We know that. And so passionate were these that they have that they call these God-given rights, that, that they identify this as the purpose for establishing a new government, a new country. And the fourth and fifth references to God are found in the last paragraph. The rightness of our cause was left to God to judge. He says, We therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, in general Congress assembled, appealing to the Supreme Judge of the world. For the rectitude of our intentions do in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from any allegiance to the British crown. And the last reference asks for God's divine protection. It says, and for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. It's worth noting that there was no dissent you, when they, with any of these references to God or their placement and the emphasis in the document by anybody there. No one said, we're not going to give reverence to God, no honor to God, we're not going to ask for God's protection. There wasn't dissent then and there shouldn't be now. 
regardless of our political party and political views, we need God in this country. But with this in mind, we're going to take a small or some time this morning to talk about freedom. And I mean true freedom. Freedom is God intended for you to experience. We talked about that a little on Wednesday and again this morning. The world defines freedom as this license to do whatever you want. Okay? And, and yes, that is a component of freedom. But this pastor, John Piper, suggested there are four things that you need if you want to be fully free. He says, first, if you don't have a desire to do a thing, then you're not free to do it. He acknowledges you may muster the willpower to do what you don't want to do, but no one calls that freedom. It's not the way we want to live. There's a constraint and pressure on us that we don't want. So to be free, you need to be able to desire something to be free to do. Second says, if you do not have a desire to something, if you have the desire but no ability, you're not free. You need to want to do something and you need to be able to do it. And third, he says, if you have the desire and the ability to do something but no opportunity, then you're not free to do it either. And last, he says, if you have the desire to do something, the ability to do it and the opportunity, but it destroys you in the end, then you're not fully free. Not free indeed. Not when you do it. So to be fully free, we must have the desire to do something. We must have the ability to do it, the opportunity to do what will make us happy forever. And then he adds, with no regrets. So let's unpack this and see if we come to the same conclusion that only Jesus, the Son of God, who died and rose for us, can make this kind of freedom possible. True freedom means you have the desire to do something. Scripture tells us those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. You can desire a life according to the flesh, either the carnal wants and needs, and they lead to superficial, very short-lived happiness. Or you can have desires for things that benefit your soul, these eternal things. The psalmist writes in 37.4, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. The desires of your heart are deep-seated things that are good and pleasing and soul-nurturing. And you have these desires, but true freedom means you have the ability to do something. There is, this is where the world defines freedom and it stops. But it's not true freedom. It's merely license to do something. But scriptural freedom, true freedom means that God has given you an ability. Deuteronomy 8.18, But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. He gives you an ability. Jeremiah 29, 11, you know this one. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Okay, he gives you an ability. He's got a plan. How about this? I can do all things through him who strengthens me, right? We lean on that verse to get through something. Again, we are, we are asking God for our ability to persevere in whatever it is we're facing. But there are many times in Scripture where God has asked for something beyond our own ability. All the way back to Moses. God told Moses that he needed to lead the people, right? And, and, and Moses said in Exodus, he says, Behold, I am unskilled in speech. How then will the Pharaoh listen to me? But God gave him the ability to speak and speak clearly and with authority. Same thing with Paul. We, we study these letters of Paul all the time, but in 1 Corinthians 1.17, we find his words. He says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And he says, Not with wisdom and eloquence, 
lest the cross be emptied of its power. Now, what does that mean? Paul lacked the ability, or at least he thought he lacked the ability to speak with wisdom and eloquence. He knew he had been called. He knew he had been called to preach the gospel, but he lacked the ability to do this, and God gave him the desire to preach and the ability to preach. That's freedom. True freedom means you have the opportunity to do something. Colossians 4, 5. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Shouldn't that be our prayer every day? That God presents opportunities and then we recognize and pursue these opportunities. Paul writes in Galatians 6, 10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Opportunities. He wants to do good. He has the ability to do good. He's saying, God, if I want to be free to serve you, I need the opportunity. From Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus himself created an opportunity. And I love this one. Paul had just received his sight from Ananias. You have to remember that, that Paul was a persecutor he was a Roman. He's a persecutor of, of Christians, okay? And God says, I'm going to use you. And, and he says, and, and what happens is he loses his vision. And he says, you need to be led, and a man will come and give you instruction. The man who gave him instructions, this man, Ananias. And listen to what Ananias tells him. He, he heals his vision, and, and Paul's eyes are open, both literally and, and figuratively. His eyes are open. And, and Ananias says this, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash your sins away, calling on his name. He gives him the ability. He, he restores his sight and he gives him his building instructions. He says, go, right? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Go. But freedom is a double-edged sword. And we often confuse this license, this excuse to do something with freedom. We have the right to protest, but do we have the right to not love others? to disrespect, to hurt, and kill others, right? Freedom is this double-edged sword that, that true freedom, where, you know, we don't, don't have limits. God has proposed or has given us limits, these Ten Commandments. They aren't to corral us, they're to protect us, right? Can you stand up for what is right? Can you confront a wrong and be in allegiance with the Ten Commandments. Absolutely. I can love you and disagree with you. I can tell you, you know, the truth, the real truth, and not harm you. You still may not agree. I may not be able to change your mind, but I've done my part as a Christian to stand. And Paul warns us about this in Ephesians 5.15. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do you know what it is that you're trying to do? So you recognize his opportunities. And lastly, because there is an opportunity to exercise your freedom poorly, true freedom can only be found in action that does not destroy or destroy you. 1 Peter 2.16, he says, Live as free men, but do not use your freedom to cover up for evil, Live as servants of God. Just because you know that there is this gift of grace that says, I will forgive you, does not give you license to go out and break 
law to break the commandments and say, I'll just apologize later for that. God says, no, sin no more. He says, repent, which means turn away from these things. Be a different person. But he also knows us and we're going to struggle and we're going to stumble. And that gift of grace says, I will forgive you every time you repent. But that is not license to go do sin or evil. Knowing that, that, this, that we're going to cover up this evil with this gift of grace. Hebrews 10.26, he says, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. What good does it do to have this gift of mercy if you, if you waste it by abusing the gift of God's mercy? And Paul warns a couple other things. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Isn't that true? Aren't there things that we can do we shouldn't? Everything is per- permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Isn't it true that we can become so obsessed with something that it becomes the master of us? You know, it could be something very major. It could be as simple as I've got to check my phone constantly. You know, that's what the good things can become powerful sources of addiction and things that, that take away our time and focus from things that are more important. Galatians 5, 13, 14, one last warning from Paul. He says, you, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says the entire law, all these rules, is summed up in one thing. And do you know why he can say that? Because if you love someone, you're not going to lie to them. If you love someone, you're not going to harm them. If you love your spouse, you're not going to be unfaithful to them. Love covers all this stuff. If you love... These other things are so much easier. And what a world we would live in if everybody could just love their neighbors and love themselves. And if we partially commit, our bonds may be unlocked like this picture shows, but we can kind of trick ourselves into relocking them sometimes. We can convince ourselves that we need that restraint. We need, you know, we are still mastered by something and we can, we can rebind ourselves to our sins. But if we fully commit to Christ and accept the freedom that he offers, our bonds are not only unlocked, but they're destroyed. I mean, they are unusable. Our chains are gone and we've been set free. He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. There's nothing left to bind you. So stay free. You've heard this, John 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is full, true, real freedom. And then the verse that was the the namesake for this message, it says, Galatians 5, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burned again by a yoke of slavery. Get rid of those bonds. And we exchange them for, the, for Christ's yoke. And listen to Christ's own words from Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty. 30. He says, come to me. You've heard this. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. The things that you worry about, the things that, that cause you stress and, and frustration and anger and resentment. He says, come to me. I'll take that off your shoulder. He says, take my yoke upon you. Remember, yoke was this big, broad piece of wood heavy, and they would literally tie it around the, the, the neck of, of ox, and they would be yoked together 
one moves, the other moves. One turns, the other turns. There's no point in fighting it because you either go or you don't go. And he says, take my yoke. This is being yoked to Jesus. And learn from me. He says, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And he says, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. What then, Paul says, shall we sin because we are not under the law of grace? By no means. No means. He writes, therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you are not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Jesus came and fulfilled the law and freed us from that. And freedom is not the right to do as one pleases, but the power and the capacity both to will and to do as one should. True freedom is never freedom of responsibility. Okay? True freedom is not freedom from responsibility. There is a consequence and a benefit for everything you do, or one or the other. Okay? Freedom is, is an inner contentment with who we are in Christ and with what we have. It means we only covet heavenly treasure, not what someone else has. It means the willingness and the ability to let God control our lives. It means that we can relax and find peace and joy because we are free to not worry about the big picture because God has got that. And the believer in Christ is, is a freed man or a freed woman. Free to live a life according to Christ and in line with God's will. And this means you are free to love and you are free to serve and free to live an eternal life in his presence. And what's really interesting is Jesus didn't set you free, period. Jesus' love is freeing. It is continual. It is ongoing. You are free for now. Remain free. Let's pray. Father God, as we celebrate this national holiday of this great country of ours, where we are afforded many freedoms, many freedoms not enjoyed anywhere else in the world. Lord, let us exercise those freedoms in a way that is in accordance with your will. Help us to recognize and stand up for what is right, to do so with loving kindness. But God, let us pursue real freedom, true freedom. And that is the freedom from our sins, the freedom to know that our salvation is not tied to who we are or what we do but who you are and what Christ did. Father God, there is so much freedom and peace from knowing that we have a hope for the future. We have a hope to get through this day. And Lord, as we leave this place, may we not only celebrate the freedom of our nation, but the freedom of our souls. We always do please you and we lift up the service in your name. Amen.